How many of you remember that song? Yeah, little little uh, Devo. I I grew up uh, hearing Devo play that, uh, working in the coal mine. Five o'clock in the morning, I'm up before the sun. When the work day is over, I'm too tired for having fun. I've been working in the coal mine, going down, down, working in the coal mine, about to slip down. <laughs> It's a uh, catchy, catchy song, and uh, at, at a point, the song almost sounds biblical because there's a line that says, Lord, I'm so tired, how long can this go on? Which raises the question, you know, how long? How long? I mean, if you're the average American today, in the course of your life, you're going to spend between 120,000 and 150,000 hours working. That would include maybe the commute to work, thinking about work, actually working. 40% of your waking hours you will spend working. You'll spend more time working in your life than you will spend with your spouse, with your family, eating and drinking, relaxing, recreating, and vacationing put together. So the fact is, work, it's a big part of your life. And when it comes to work, it's interesting because 80% of people are dissatisfied with their jobs. You know, the average American today will have between seven and eight jobs before they turn 30. 40% say that their job is the most stressful thing in their life. In this series, we've been talking about life, and today what we want to kind of focus on is an area that dominates your life and mine, and it's a thing called work. You know, God's Word has a lot to say on this topic, and particularly the book of uh, Proverbs that we're going to spend quite a bit of time in today. Remember, Proverbs written by one of the wisest men that ever lived, Solomon, Solomon says that you, you can learn about someone's wisdom by the way they approach work. And, and here's a couple foundational passages uh, for us this morning. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will what? Succeed. And then he writes, he says, In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with what? success. See, the foundation for job success, I believe, is you got to put God first. In fact, I believe you put God first in every area of your life, and sometimes we need to be reminded that includes our work life. And so that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to look at how do, you, how do you put God first when it comes to work? And one of the ways you do that is by applying just basic biblical principles to life. Regardless of what kind of work you do, whether you're a homemaker or a CEO, whether you're a, a teaching a class, getting ready to go back to school, some of you, or you're in school, whether you're an employer or an employee, whether you're approaching retirement or maybe you're just getting your first resume out, the fact is, there are some things that you can do to put God first in the area of work. 
And we're going to use an acrostic just to kind of make it easier to remember. And I'm going to use working as the acrostic. And so W, we're going to start out with work with a plan. Work with a plan. One of the key differences between successful people and unsuccessful people is successful people have a plan. Successful people understand the importance of majoring in the majors, so to speak. You know, they have a sense of mission, a sense of life purpose in what they do. And we talk about this often around here, but you were created on purpose for a purpose in your life. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know why you work? And I want you to think about it. Because it is a critical question. I mean, why do you work? If you work, and it's just about the paycheck, you know, what's in it for me kind of mentality, what will happen is work will become a prison of drudgery in your life. And you will be very, very dissatisfied, no matter what job you have. You know, 75% of Americans say that money is the single most important factor when choosing a job. Which I believe might explain why 80% of people are dissatisfied with their job. I, I mean, is it just me? But I'm thinking there's a correlation here between how we choose our jobs and our level of satisfaction in jobs. And so if you're dissatisfied with your job today, and statistics would tell us, there would be many of us. I think it's something worth thinking about. Proverbs 17.24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Now, no pointing, but how many of you know someone that, that sounds like them at the end? You know, they're going about 20 different directions, trying to do everything at once. They're all over the map. The, the fact is, they're running here, they're running there, and they just don't seem to have a focus. And I want to say, regardless of what kind of job you have, you've got to be moving forward with some goals in your life. You've got to have a direction. You've got to have a plan. Do you have a plan in your life when it comes to your vocation? You know, some of the very first uh, recorded, well, it is the first recorded words of, of Jesus. You, you find them in Scripture. Jesus is 12 years old. He traveled with his parents. He was in Jerusalem. They were celebrating Passover. And after Passover, the caravans returned him back home. So Joseph thought that Jesus was with his mom. And Mary thought that Jesus was with Joseph. And I don't know how far they got. Maybe they got clear, clear home. But at some point, they realized Jesus wasn't with either one of them. And so they start searching for him everywhere. They end up back in Jerusalem. They end up at the temple. And they find Jesus, and they're like, well, what are you doing? And he, his recorded words are, didn't you know that I would be about my father's business? See, Jesus was working with a purpose already. At 12 years old, he understood what his purpose was. Paul later would say, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, not 40 things I dabble in, this one thing I do, and he worked with a purpose in his life. And the Bible says a good starting point, a good starting point for you and for me, 
is a wise person thinks ahead. A fool does a fool doesn't and even brags about it. You've heard this if you fail to plan your what? You're planning to fail. Successful people make daily preparations in their life. They work at it. A well-thought-out plan will work to your advantage, but hasty action will cost you dearly. See, plan your work, work your plan. I talk to people many times, and especially at uh, midlife, and someone will catch me, and, and it's pretty much the same thing. They say it different, but it'll be like, I have worked so long, and I've worked so hard, and I did all this work for what? Now, I've been working in the coal mine, going down, down, working in the coal mine, got to slip down. You got the whoo, pretty good there. I think that's an awful reality, and it's an inevitable reality if you do not clarify a purpose in your life, and especially as early on, preferably at the beginning. Now, what I want you to do, I want you to rate yourself vocationally based on this question. How clear are your work goals or your vocational goals? On a, on a scale 1 to 10, okay? I want you to kind of think of how clear are your work goals. And, and the fact is, just, just think about it. Do, do you have any goals? I mean, if it's just a job, if it's just a paycheck, I would suggest you give yourself a 1 on it. If you say, well, you know, sometimes I've got, I've got some goals vocationally, then give yourself maybe a 5. And if you've actually written down your goals of where you're heading, what you want to accomplish, and how you're going to get there, then give yourself a 10. But I want you to think about that and just kind of set yourself, uh, get, a, get a pace there. You know, only 5% of people actually have written goals when it comes to their vocation. And I want to suggest that you need goals. You need daily goals. You need weekly goals. You need six-month goals. You need yearly goals. And ultimately, you need lifetime goals if you're going to get. You don't get anywhere unless you plan on getting there. Do you have goals? Do you have a plan vocationally in your life? Now, sometimes people say, well, what's a goal look like? It does not have to be complicated. It might be as simple as you saying, you know, I'm going to get this training over the next year so that I can be in a position to maybe get a promotion or I'm going to improve my skills in, in this particular area. And so for the next six months, I'm going to kind of concentrate there so that ultimately I can work with a little more excellence in this area. You know, maybe you're one of them here today that you go, I really am dissatisfied with my work. Well, maybe your goal needs to be a a full-length plan where you say, you know what, I'm going to take some night classes or I'm going to get this training so that maybe I can shift gears in a year or four years or whatever. But the bottom line, work on purpose and work with a plan in, in your life. Second thing, oh, operate with integrity. 
operate with integrity. Integrate integrity into the routine of your work life. Remember, if God's first, then integrity needs to be foundational in your life. Proverbs 10.9, we use this in our last uh, series, but whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes a crooked path will be found out. The world is interested on the outside. You know, it's about image, isn't it? How do I look? How do I look? But God is interested about what's going on inside, who you really are. And God says, if, if you're an employer, then you should pay your employees adequately and fairly. You, you don't cheat them. You, you, treat, you treat them in, in a manner that, that is fitting, that is godly. You know, if you're an hourly employee, and if you're getting paid for eight hours, then you work eight hours. You know, if you're a salesperson... You don't shade the truth. You don't misrepresent things when, you know, in order to close a sale, you are to be a person of integrity in whatever, whatever job you've got. When God's first, then character becomes paramount. You know, it becomes imperative in, in your life. When God's first, you pursue character and you pursue it with a passion. Proverbs 21.6 says, the, the riches you get by dishonesty will soon disappear, but not before they lead you into the jaws of death. Chomp, chomp, huh? You know, when integrity and ethics are missing, it is deadly. It'll, it'll eat you alive at some point. You'll become a prisoner of war to things like greed and ambition and that meistic mentality that we all fight against. You know, the news, it's, it's littered throughout history. You know, I think about uh, Ivan Bosky and that he amassed $20 million by insider trading. You know, Charles Keaton, he's at the center of the savings and loan scandal that we're still kind of reeling from. Bernard Eber, the CEO of WorldCom, get this, $11 billion in accounting fraud. Kenneth Lay, corporate abuse, fraud, Enron, anybody recognize that? Think about all the professional athletes, steroids, illegal recruiting practices, athletes and referees betting on games. I mean, on and on. And don't even get me started. The political landscape and lack of uh, ethics, it's almost epidemic. I mean, there's another U.S. uh, representative charged this week with fraud and bribery and money laundering. Lack of integrity will cost you. When when God is, is first... You pursue integrity with a passion. You pursue it. You go after it. Solomon writes, he says, God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is what? His business. (laughs) Integrity is core to God. How committed are you to integrity in your life? Again, evaluate yourself, one to ten. If you're sitting there, you go, well... I'm a person of integrity if it's convenient, then give yourself a one. Or if you're sitting there going, I am committed to integrity, regardless of what the cost. Even if I lose my job, I am going to be a person of honesty, then give yourself a ten. R, 
Remove excuses. Remove excuses. When it comes to work, you've got to remove excuses. book of Proverbs has a lot to say on this topic. You know, Proverbs says that excuses and laziness, get this, they're connected. You know, Proverbs says a person who's always making excuses or always blaming everyone else, uh, the person that, that's got all, all these excuses, he says they're lazy. They're lazy. Some versions, if you've got your Bibles today, some of your versions would translate lazy, and it says sluggard. I don't like that word, do you? No, they're sluggard. I don't want to be called a sluggard. Proverbs 22 says lazy people stay at home. They say a lion might get them if they go outside. (laughs) There's a lot of humor in the Bible, isn't there? Do you know how many lions were wandering around Jerusalem in that day? Zero. I mean, unless they had circuses back then and it was in town. It, it, it is amazing, though, the excuses that people use to justify their laziness. Oh, there might be a lion out there. Yeah, I mean, we, we get creative in order to kind of rationalize our lack of accomplishment sometimes. And rationalize means rational lies. When you excuse, you lose. When you, you excuse and make excuses, what happens is you're really only kidding yourself. In fact, most people do not buy the lie. They're just way too polite to tell you that. Excuses will cost you. They will cost you. Solomon says, a a hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Do you know anybody that talks a great game, but there's no action, no movement? You know, mere talk brings poverty. In other words, you don't make any, any ground. You know, procrastinating, it, it comes with a high price tag in life. Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon writes this, he says, Dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. I could spend all day just talking about dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. It's like the uh, dad, he was talking to his teenage son. How many of you have teenagers? All right. And he told his son, he said, son, you need to do one difficult thing every day. And the son's like, well, I do, dad. I get out of bed. <laughs> he said, well, maybe you need to do two difficult things. But the fact is, when it comes to your work, do not live in a fantasy world. Some people live there, always thinking that they're going to hit the jackpot someday, that suddenly everything's going to fall into place. Dreaming instead of doing is foolishness. It says lazy people want much but get little, but the diligent are prospering. The fact is, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm just waiting for my ship to come in. And and, and you want to go, quit waiting, you know, swim out to it, do something, pursue it, get to it. You know, if I could, could talk about this topic, there's about 50 passages of Scripture just in Proverbs on this one point. 
on this one point of pursuing things and, and not being lazy. You know, laziness will destroy your life in every area. It will sap your energy. Don't make excuses. You take responsibility. It's your life. And your work life, it's a big part of your life. You've got to begin working it, so to speak. So, all right, evaluate yourself. How often do you excuse your behavior? You know, frequently? Well, give yourself a one. Sometimes? Give yourself a five. Never? Then give yourself a ten. K, keep learning. Keep learning. Never stop learning. You know, one of the things we're always telling our leadership around here, learn, learn, learn. You always need to be learning because when you're learning, you're growing. And when you're growing, you're developing. And when you're doing that, you're sharpening your skills and it makes you better at whatever it is you do. Proverbs 15, it says, intelligent people want to learn, but stupid people are satisfied with ignorance. No pointing. Do you work with anybody that's brain dead at work? They've like checked out. You know, last time they read a book was, you know, the night before the test, before they graduated. They got their diploma and they go, well, my education's over. And they haven't learned anything since. You know, they just unplug, stop learning. And therefore, they stop growing and they stop developing. Leaders learn. Leaders learn. We're called to learn as Christians to set the pace. It says wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. You know, do do you look for new ideas? You know, are you adaptable? Are you flexible in your life? Are you always learning? Are are you open to change? You know, are you pursuing that with a passion? You know, one of the theories why the uh, dinosaurs went extinct was that they could not change and adapt to the new environment. And so they all died out. And my guess is that some of you work with people that are dinosaurs, And they're not developing, and they're not changing, and they're not growing. And if that's you, you need to be careful, because at some point you become obsolete. As a leader, I understand. If faith fellowship's going to grow, I have to grow. The same's true in your business as well. A growing business requires growing men and women. You know, no matter what you do, you got to keep growing, you got to keep learning, you got to keep developing. You know, where do you learn? Well, I think there's several things. One, I believe I learned the most from God's Word. You know, spending time in God's Word, God challenging me in every area of my life. And, and today, as we're talking specifically when it comes to vocation, I also think you learn by the people you hang out with. You know, if you hang out with wise people, what happens is iron sharpens iron, and it makes you better at what you're doing. And then you also can learn from your critics. Because your critics, as you listen to them, sometimes they will challenge you in a way that it makes you think about where you're going. It kind of refocuses you and helps you better define 
where, where you're heading, kind of refine your, your thoughts and sharpen your skills. And then you learn from failure. Did you hear that? You learn from failure. It's one of the greatest things that you can do. Learn from your failures in life. In fact, I would argue you will learn more from your failures if you are willing to wrestle with it than you will from your successes in life. Now, Proverbs 28, it says, A person who refuses to admit their mistakes can never be successful. But if they confess and forsake them, they get another chance. I mean, if you're willing to look at the mistakes you make, they'll help you grow. Never, never waste your failures. Use your failures to learn, to develop, to grow. You know, I like what Thomas Edison, uh, he said, don't call it a failure. Call it an education. You know, when he was developing the light bulb, he had 10,000, think about this, 10,000 failures before he got it right. So evaluate yourself. What's your attitude toward learning, specifically as you think about your vocation? If, if your attitude is you can't teach an old dog new tricks, then give yourself a one. If you say, well, you know, sometimes I'm open to learning, then maybe give yourself a five. And if you say, you know what, I am always reading, I'm always studying, I'm always actively looking for new ideas, trying to develop my skills, trying to grow, then give yourself a 10 on this one. I, invest your time. Invest your time. How often do you say, where did my time go? Where did the day go? See, time, time is an equal opportunity employer. Everybody gets the same amount of time every week. You have 168 hours each week. Nobody has more or less. We all have the same amount, right? The, the question is, why do they get more done? Well, because they learn to economize. They learn to organize. They, they choose wisely what they're going to do with those hours that they have. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making most of every opportunity. See, time management is a spiritual issue. It is. Because to waste time is to waste your life. I mean, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's probably one of the greatest sins there is because what you end up doing is wasting a life. You know, time's more important than money. You can have a surplus of money, but you have a limited amount of time. A certain amount each day, a certain amount each week, and ultimately you've got a certain amount in your, in your life. And how you use it, it's vital. You know, the fact is, you don't know how much time you have in your life, but you do know what you've got coming up this week. And if you understand that, that time is that valuable, you won't waste it. You won't waste it. That's also why it's important you sharpen your skills in whatever your work is, because 
as you sharpen your skills, you can live more effectively, more efficiently, and it doesn't take as much energy. Ecclesiastes says if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. In other words, if you've got an axe and you're chopping wood and it's dull, it takes a lot more energy because it's dull. And that's why some of you are tired all the time. You just got a dull axe. And, and my point here is to say, okay, if the axe is dull, then figure out what you need to do so that you can sharpen it, so that you can work smarter, not harder, so you can develop, as you develop your skills, whatever your profession, as you develop your skills, what happens is it changes the game. I mean, it's a, it's a game changer here. You know, ask yourself a couple of questions on a regular basis. You know, is this the best use of my time? Is, is there an easier way to do this? You know, there is no value in doing something the hardest way. Now, I didn't say cut corners here. You work with excellence, but you don't have to do it the hardest way. If there's an easier way, you do it. That's called skill. So evaluate yourself here. How well did you use your time this past week? Just think about this past week. One to ten, how well did you use it? Because there are really three things you do with time. You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it in something that matters. And when you invest your time in the things that matter, what happens is it impacts your future in a very, very significant way. Very significant way. And the last one, in never give up. Never give up. And what I'm talking about is stamina. I'm talking about endurance. If, if you add skill to endurance, well, you've got a winner at that point. You know, Proverbs, he writes, he says, Do you see a person diligent and skillful in business? They will stand before kings, but they will not stand before obscure men. Diligent and skillful. People that simply do not know how to quit. They persevere. They're determined. And there's a myth out there that successful people do the right thing every time. That is not true. I mean, I've had opportunity to be around a lot of successful people. And the fact is, successful people actually may make more mistakes. They just don't let it stop them. They don't let it get them down. They're, they're, they don't give up. They're tenacious. They, they learn from their failures, and they grow and they develop, and they get better and better at what they do. You know, you think about the very best in basketball make half their shots. The greatest quarterbacks ever complete six of ten. You know, the best hitters in baseball get on base about 40% of the time. The top oil companies, with all the expert uh, geologists, they hit oil one out of ten times when they dig a well, or, you know, oil that's actually going to produce for them. Successful actors, they get turned down 29 out of 30 auditions. Big-time investors in the stock market, they make money two out of five investments usually. 
You are not a failure because you fail. The fact is, if you, at first you don't succeed, guess what? <laughs> you're, you're human. You're human. You become a failure when you quit, when you give up. And it is a choice that you get to make. You know, I'm not going to give up. I will see this through no matter what. I will face the obstacles. I will face the challenge. I will get there. Solomon says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Hmm. The godly get up. We're called by God to just get up and keep at it. We all make mistakes, right? We all make dumb decisions, right? We all make the wrong turn every now and then. But the difference is some people get back up and some people keep going. And I want to challenge you today. If you're discouraged in whatever it is vocationally, it's because you're choosing to be discouraged. It is a choice you make. It is a matter of what you're going to look at. You know, is, is the glass half full or half empty? That will change your whole perspective on things. You get to choose half full, half empty, half full, half empty. Choose wisely in life. You, you can choose to think about God's word and God's promises, or you can focus on your circumstance. But it is a choice that you get to make, so choose wisely. I have uh, recently been rereading, this is the second time around for me, rereading the book uh, Pour Your Heart Into It. It's uh, about how Starbucks built their company one uh, cup at a time. Anybody knows I'm a big Starbucks fan, but uh, it was written by uh, Howard Schultz, and he talks about how he stayed true to his values, that employees and customers were as important as profit, and that corporate responsibility and social responsibility can coexist. And he talks about in the book, if you read it, it's a good read, that he talks about the struggles that they had and the failures that they had and how they learned from those failures and how he kept getting back up and wrestling with the issues that they had as a corporation. And as they faced these obstacles, how he, he navigated them. And it, it's a great success story. And every time I read it, I, you know, I get thinking about all the people's lives that have been changed by that company. People that have jobs because of Starbucks. People that have become millionaires. People that have become millionaires because they're suppliers or builders or manufacturers or vendors. Uh, countries that have been lifted up because coffee was their main export and it's made a difference in those countries. And it's all because a group of people were willing to get up and stick with it and keep pursuing. Now, if you know the history of Starbucks, there came a point that uh, he kind of stepped away from the company as CEO. And over the next few years, they started facing a bunch of serious challenges again. Guess who they called to come fix it? They called Schultz back. And you go, well, why would they call him back? Well, because they knew that he could face the obstacles and he could 
face the issues, and that he would not quit until he solved the issues. See, there's value in pursuing and being able to endure through whatever it is that you need to endure. So evaluate yourself there on your persistence. You know, one to ten. One, uh, you know, I give up when I, when I face a problem or an issue. You know, or I do pretty good till somebody criticizes me and then I kind of bail out. Well, maybe give yourself a five. Or do you say, you know what, I never give up. I'm just going to keep pursuing because I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so there you go. That's six pieces, godly wisdom. And I, I believe when you put God first and you begin to apply God's word to your life, what happens is it pays in high dividends. And Ben's work takes up so much of our time, I'd suggest you start putting it together there. Let, let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God... God, we we praise you today. And God, I pray that uh, all of us, uh, we have work that we're about that sometimes is challenging. And God, whether whether we're wrestling the kids at home or we're driving a company or serving at uh, someone's leisure, Lord, uh, Maybe we're volunteering, but that, God, we would always give our very best that we would pursue with a passion to please you with what we do, that we'd recognize our work is is worship, and that you look down and you see it even if nobody else does. God, I pray that every area of our life that we would just make you first, and allow you to guide us. God, we just um, pray for wisdom, that you'd give us strength. And God, when people look and they see what we do, that they would go, you know what? There goes a man, woman of integrity. There goes someone that uh, they just have something extra. They show a little more when it comes to what they do in their work. God, we just uh, praise you. We just thank you this day and every day. God's people said. Today we're uh, experiencing kind of the culmination of of one of the goals for Faith Fellowship. Many of you have been working and giving and supporting the this plan, uh, it's been almost two years, not quite two years. And today, today we get to see that dream become reality. You know, our, Cindy said earlier, our youth and our children worshipped in the zone for the first time. And it really is the result of planning. I'm grateful for God's hand. We couldn't have done any of this without God. You know, God's hand's been in everything that's been done, everything that's been given. I'm grateful for all of you, all of you that have sacrificed and given, for all of you that have faithfully continued to support the church and, and its mission. And what I want to do after the closing song, we're going we're gonna to worship in here, I want to invite everyone over to the zone area. And we're just going to have a prayer of dedication, and then the kids are going to lead us in a a worship piece over there. But this is a goal we've reached. 
So I, I say we celebrated. Yes? Huh? Yeah, there's some, I was kind of in awe this morning. Uh, we're still doing a little bit of work over there, uh, and so just know that over the next couple of weeks. But it's a goal we've, we have reached, but it's just the start of all that God is doing. And as God works in us and through us, I'm excited to, to see what he's, what he's going to do. And um, the fact is, as we look to the future, you know, the, the weeks, the months, the years, and then generations after we're long gone, I hope God's still, still do, doing his thing with this church. But I, again, I invite you with me over there, and uh, we'll just have a moment of thanksgiving and dedication. And so let, let's worship this morning. <laughs> 